Securities offered through Cetera Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Cetera Advisor Networks, LLC, is under separate ownership from any other named entity. Carson Partners, a division of CWM, LLC, is a nationwide partnership of advisors. This is The Way to Wealth. With host Scott Ford, a jiu-jitsu fighting, woodworking, beekeeping entrepreneur who is also the managing director, partner, and wealth advisor of Carson Wealth. Financial freedom is the goal, and clarity and simplicity is how we'll get there. Let's get to it. This is Way to Wealth. Hello, and welcome back to the Way to Wealth podcast, where we're all about making money simple so that you have the ability to focus on living what's most important in your life today to its fullest. So excited today, first of all, to have do a podcast with a longtime friend of mine, John Saunders, and uh, let him share his backstory. And we're going to be talking about taxes. And uh, I've known John, gosh, I got to remember this is childhood stuff going the whole way back uh, to school. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then of course, we've been together working for, I guess, well over 20 years. So we've known each other. Um a long time. So if any of it, either one of us get a little uncomfortable, we always have some dirt we could throw up and just keep it real. So anyway, that's that's the pros and cons when you know someone that long. Uh, so yeah. And the other thing is, uh, you know, John, not only uh, wealth advisor, he leads the uh, Tennessee team and he's an enrolled agent. So that's why I had asked him to be on this particular call. We're going to be talking about taxes, specifically tax diversification. And so John, John's super knowledgeable, has a lot of experience in um, investments, wealth management, period, and certainly in taxes. So excited to, uh, to have John on. But that said, some of you may not know John, so I'm going to give him an opportunity just to share a little bit of his backstory and kind of hear how he got to where he, where he is today. So with that, off to you, John. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Um, yeah, you talk about a long time. I've just come out of a meeting and they said, well, how long have you been doing this? And I'm like, uh, 25, 28, 30. I don't remember. I just know it's been a long time. So, uh, I, matter it, fact, kind of means, I, it kind of means we're getting old too. <laughs> feels that way. Yes. To the time. But, um, yeah, I think Scott, you and I go back. Uh, I actually know you longer than I've been married. Uh, we've been doing <laughs> something together, uh, longer than I've been married to, to my wife. So yeah, it's, it's been a while, but yes, yeah, a lot of good history, a lot of good things. And, how we've grown together over the years. And uh, yeah, what, what led me to this, Scott? I mean, really, I remember a long time ago, you coming to me because I got into the financial realm through a, a, my mom and dad had a, a tax preparation business. And, you know, I just cut my teeth on actually preparing income taxes. This will tell you how old I am by hand mm-hmm. with pencil. And then copy it on a copier. So, and then hand it back out with my pencils, you know, that you would use as an eraser. And not, you know, who does that anymore? But were the were the was it paper or tablets that you were actually doing? <laughs> we we had an abacus too at that time. So, <laughs> but uh, I think our, my my second year in that business, we transitioned to a, a computer that took up the size of your desk. Uh, matter of fact, between the, the computer and the fax machine, the fax machine was on one desk because it was so big. And then, um, you know, the computer took up the other desk. So 
but we started and we grew that practice. And I've really cut my teeth on watching what people were doing uh, with their taxes. And, um, you know, and I started learning, you know, when it came to the investments, watching how it went through the tax return. And I progressed through that. And, you know, that's where I've learned a lot is not sitting in school and, and having a professor teach me all the time. A lot of it was experience. Uh, but you have to do that as well. And I, I did that too. But um, that grew. And, and then Scott and I got together. And, you know, Scott said, you know, I've got clients that need some help with this. And Scott referred people to me back in the day. And I say way back when. And so I did those by hand for a period of time. And then Scott was in uh, the insurance practice, learned a lot, knew a lot about insurance. I, I remember um, him coming by and just kept bugging me and bugging me and saying, hey, we need to do this. We need to do this. And finally, uh, we started doing some things together. And, and he showed me a lot in the insurance industry. And uh, the, tactics, the tax practice continued to build. And then uh, we segued into the uh, securities business. And really, we, uh, we've had a great journey and continue with this, this great journey that we have. So, so you think about way to wealth and, you know, as the audience knows who've listened to these podcasts, it's all about making money simple. And you can look at, listen to past episodes to kind of get brought up to speed, but we have a process that we follow. And part of that process is setting the foundation in place and then three buckets of how we manage assets to um, provide some certainty and some clarity and then taxes. So towards the end of the process, taxes are in this in this process twice. And there's a reason for that. And the main reason is most people may not realize it, but typically taxes are all of ours biggest expense. A lot of people, if you ask that question, oh, it's my home. Well, when you do the math, it's probably not. It's going to be taxes. So everyone's looking, how do I not overpay in taxes? So that's why we have it as part of the process twice. So one question I have for you when you think of the way to wealth and all this is on one sheet is all about making money simple. How would you say, John, why is making money simple important to you? So, you know, I'll give you a little story about this because the tax code is very complex. Um, right now, uh, you'll hear about, you know, the tax code. People don't know this, but over the past 10 years, the tax code has been amended were revised over 4,000 times in the last decade. Um, you'll hear people say there's 7,000 pages in the tax code, or then other people say there's no, there's 2,300 pages. However, the other 4,700 pages are actually explaining the 2,300 pages. So that's how complex, you know, the tax code is. Um, I'll give you, you know, some of the examples. I mean, there are so many different brackets over the years and how things were taxed or not taxed. And sometimes I will tell you, all these different rules get jumbled in your head. So you, I'm so thankful for the computer. I can tell you that I can look back, but it does happen. Um, but it's not simple. Um, and, and it's made that way because they make it very confusing. And I'll tell you, I'm waiting for that postcard, you know, that you can do your taxes on. Um, it's not there, right? And so how you pull money out of certain accounts, where you add money to, everything has a rule to it. And if you do not follow the rules, there could be penalties 
you know, and interest on top of those penalties that you could end up paying. So, yes, I, I think making the, you know, we make money simple by using, uh, you know, interpreting the code to, a, you know, you know, our client's advantage and also, you know, making sure that they're also allocating their monies in these various funnels uh, that we have uh, aligned in our way to wealth process. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And, you know, I don't know whether they make it complicated on purpose or not. However, it, it is super complicated and it doesn't have to be. One of the things I hear a lot is, you know, what are the loopholes and, and things of that nature? And I, I like to say there actually aren't loopholes. These are incentives. So the right. thing is, in this code, when you're able to, let's call it, save taxes or not have to pay in certain areas, that's because they structure it that way. They're saying, hey, we want to help with housing or we want to help uh, with charity or we want to help with whatever it is. They're telling you how you can do it. You just need to have someone who's helping you understand what's in there so that you can use that for your benefit and not overpaying taxes. And it's not a loophole, it's an incentive. Let's just go with what is. And so that's one thing that I think about, but yes, making it, making it, more simplistic. It, one of the things we like to do, and we've done it in this scenario, uh, John was just talking about, is we make one-page tools for each one of the sections on Way to Wealth. In this case, it's our funnels. It's our tax diversification funnel. And this is where you have tax-deferred assets or tax-postponed, taxable, and then tax-free. So on that note, John, uh, in talking about tax diversification, what, what does that mean to you? What does tax diversification mean? mean to you? How would you describe that? So, you know, the way I describe it is, as you were just alluding to, is the different funnels, right? The tax postponement, right? Some people, a lot of people call that tax defer. And uh, we've been trained in this society to put all this money in this tax deferred, get instant gratification on your tax return right now, so you can pay taxes down the road. The question mark is, where are taxes going to be later? So, you know, when I, matter of fact, I just got out of a, an appointment. And when I see a lot of clients, and this particular client come in, his biggest funnel was the tax postponement funnel. Uh, this client, you know, typically he had like $5 million and four of it was in the tax postponement funnel. So, you know, what we're trying to do is help him get as much as that tax postponement funnel over into the tax-free funnel. So there's a lot of ways to do that. So the tax diversification means we got to have a balance. You know, balance um, is, is very key in life. So having a balance in each one of these funnels. So that way, when you step into that fixed income season of your life, you're able to draw from these different funnels and pay, you know, a minimum amount of tax not overpaying taxes. So yeah. if you can do that proactive planning now while you can, do it. I promise you it will pay off in the long run. Yeah, people, because we hear all the time, yeah, put it in this qualified plan, 401k, IRA, and not saying that that doesn't make sense at time for a portion. That said, to your point of what you just saw in this uh, meeting, we see it all the time, and we've seen it for the last several decades, that that ends up being the largest asset because we're conditioned yeah. to do that. Yeah. And there's just a couple of things to think about when you consider that. First of all, 
who made those rules, 401ks, IRAs, et cetera? Well, the federal government. Well, a couple of things to think about there. Um, when was the federal government and the IRS instituted? Well, it was 1913. And you know, look at what taxes were then versus where they are now. And I know we'll talk about that. And then why were these plans created? Well, they were created as not a tax loophole, but as an options for not paying tax today, tax defer or tax postponing. Well, again, who made those rules? It's the same people who are creating taxation. It's the IRS, okay? So my point is, you know, doesn't it make you just a little suspicious uh, that they're creating a solution for the problem that they've implemented or have created? Right. Just saying, something to think about. And uh, so, so when you think about that, the other thing is, we're assuming that benefits the most when you're going to be that you're when you're, that you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. Well, the challenge I have with that is twofold. One, aren't you assuming that you're going to be making less money then? The goal I don't want to right? sign up for that plan, right? I would right. like to continue to make more money, whether I'm right. no matter what you're doing. Uh, number one, and then number two. I'm making the argument right now that taxes might be on sale. This might be the biggest sale we have on taxes for a long time. So yeah, just something to think about. In fact, on that note, um, what are your thoughts on the national debt where we're at and what's that number look like? So, you know, you bring up a good point, you know, you're, you're, that's the argument that, you know, we're, we're trying to explain to clients and I don't think it's an argument. I think it's reasoning to say, hey, taxes have nowhere to go but up. Uh, currently, we're at a 28 trillion and counting debt. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's going so fast, and, and per debt per taxpayer is like 226,000 per taxpayer, about 85,000 per citizen. I'm like, I don't have that back there, really, to want to pay the government for this. Quite frankly, uh, you know, our, our GDP right now is at 22 trillion. So it's to me, Scott, it's easy math, right? 28 trillion is what we owe, but we're only bringing in 22 trillion. And that comes mostly in the form of US federal tax revenue. That's where that comes from. So, you know, a lot of people don't realize that. And that comes from the income tax, payroll, ta payroll tax. Corporate tax is just a piece, very small piece of it. Most of it comes from the US citizen or the average taxpayer. Yeah. So let's look at this. I like running these numbers. And by the way, this is a little dated, but it's only worse now. So we'll work <laughs> with these numbers. So let's just say this. I, I'm a client. I'm coming in to see you. And I show you what I got financially. And I'm like, all right, my income is $36,000 a year. That's my income. And my expenses are $47,000 a year. And my debt, I owe $230,000. I come in to see you and I'm like, John, Looking for some help, man. What what can you do? What would you what would you suggest? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> that's hard because you're going backwards eleven thousand. You're adding to your debt each year. So the only way that I know to do it is get a third or a fourth job. I don't yeah. know what to. <laughs> yeah, I'm not you sure. Got it. You got to, it's either, it's a great advice. So it's like, yeah, I got to make more money, bring in right. more revenue, right? Or I got to cut expenses, right? Right. Or I got to file bankruptcy. Right. Okay. Well, what I just described was a little outdated, but that's basically 
the federal government's numbers, that's, just that's a lot less zeros. Yeah. Okay. So the point is, how are they going to handle this? If it's not bankruptcy, which no, then it's going to be, they got to raise revenue. Well, how do they raise revenue? Taxes. Starts with a T, taxes, right? So looking at that, you know, it's why it's hard not to argue that taxes, uh, what direction we may be headed there. What were some tax rates in previous years? So I mentioned the IRS came about in 1913. Yep. Since then, this rate has ebb and flowed. What Educate us on just kind of some tax rates uh, uh, that we've had through the years. Sure. You know, back in 1913, you know, there was actually, it was a one-page tax return. That was it, one page, and it was 1%, right? So here it is. And then I think it went as high as 2%. But over the years, I'll give you some stats. I mean, back in 1977, we had 34 different tax brackets. 1979, we had 17, 1986, 16. You know, right now, I think we're at like six different tax brackets. But if you talk about the highest marginal rates, and I have this dated back to like 1913. The highest marginal rate was 7% back in 1913. Um, in 1963, the highest marginal rate was 91%. Now think about that, 91%. So you make $1,000, you gave $910 to the U.S. federal government. Uh, right now, uh, they went to 50% in the 80s, mid-80s, dropped down to 38. And then the highest was actually, this was good. Back in 1988, 1989, 1990, 28% was the highest marginal rate under the Reagan years. So just to kind of give you an idea, you know, where this was at. Now, our, the, where we're at now is at 37%. And so I would say we are probably at the lowest rate we may see in our lifetime um, because of where the, we look at these numbers. Yeah, interesting. And so that's why I'll, I'll make the argument at times where it feels like taxes could be on sale. And I think it's easy to make that argument. In fact, you're familiar with David Walker. Um, he actually has a new book out, but his one before was called Comeback America. And in it, had several quotes. One was that that was in 2010. One was, if significant fiscal reforms are not enacted in the U.S., interest rates on the national debt will rise and federal taxes could easily double from current levels by 2030. Well, there's a couple things to point out with this. First of all, who the heck is David Walker? Well, he was the controller, uh, comptroller general of the United States um, for several, Bush, I think Clinton, I think yep. Reagan through the years, yep. right? So he was basically the CPA of this country. This is who's saying that. So it's right. not me saying it. Uh, and here's his solution. And this is why I can say it. He said, the reason taxes could double by 2030 is a four letter word. Probably can guess what that is. Math. math and right. I can do that's math. Exactly right. so it's like yep. that's the that's the challenge and, and 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 at least things to think about but look even if he's not right even if they don't go up my theory is uh, I've heard this said years ago in really all aspects of life and it's the person with choices typically wins so that's my thought process of why I personally like diversifying my family's accounts and taxes because it gives me options. So when guiding and counseling others, I just think it makes sense to diversify. So where we see the big pot of money in this in this tax postponed bucket, some in taxable, very little in tax-free, I just think it makes sense to have options. So if they don't go up, okay, you got options. If they do, hey, even better, you got options. And here's the thing, 
we like looking at it from left to right. And you'll notice this in our the way to wealth process, yeah. tax deferred or postponed first, then taxable, then tax free. That's on purpose because as you go from left to right, You'll remember us saying this in the past and continue saying this, that pretty much the whole game is about cash flow and control. So what's giving us more cash flow? What's giving us more control? Well, from tax deferred to taxable to tax free, as you go left to right, you're gaining more control. So do should you have it all in tax free? I don't think you should because now you're going to miss lose some deduction opportunities right. by having some taxable things. Right. So with that in mind, what are your thoughts on that? And what are some examples of tax deferred, tax postponed, taxable and tax free? Sure, sure. Yep. So no, I totally agree. Everything you're saying, Scott, and I, we, we practice that. And, and um, yeah, and it's, that's the balance, right? Because, you know, there are times we have to swing that pendulum to where we're deferring it uh, for a period of time. And then there are other times we're swinging that pendulum over, like tax free is the, play to, the way to play this game. Um, but yeah, you know, when you talk about different examples of, of taxable accounts, I mean, that would be like your brokerage accounts, uh, your savings accounts, your checking accounts, anything that as it earns, you pay tax on it as you go along. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, having all your money there, what happens is you could be paying taxes at higher rates under, you know, where we're at currently. And it actually has a ripple effect on other items on your tax return. So with the tax deferred examples, you know, one of them, you know, one of them, a lot of people utilize is the 401k, IRAs, um, annuities, you know, after as they earn money inside them or tax deferred, there are set plans, uh, profit sharing plans uh, can be tax deferred. There are the old KEO plans, um, basically what it is, the money goes in, you get a tax deduction, either you was pre-taxed or they gave you a deduction on your tax return, the earnings grow and you're not paying tax as you go along. Uh, the tax-free examples, you know, there's not many of those out there, but there are a few that just to consider, not as many as the tax postponement side, but you've got your Roth IRAs, you've got your health savings accounts, and people will say HSAs. Uh, you have another one is uh, life insurance. A lot of people don't even realize that life insurance is another tax-free vehicle that you can use in retirement. Uh, so these are ways, and what happens with tax-free, you don't get the deduction going into it, but if you follow the rules and you let that grow tax-deferred, it then becomes tax-free if you follow the rules. So there's some examples that are out there um, that can help people with their various funnels as they fill them up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think we're, what people miss uh, at times is we talk about efficiency through this process. And the reason that we talk about efficiency so much is, is back to cash flow and control. And what I mean by efficiency is just that you're getting, you're, you, you may be overpaying in insurance. If you're overpaying in taxes, if you're overpaying in these various areas, you're losing control of that money now forever. So if you wrote a check for $10,000 to the IRS or the government, yeah. that money's gone forever. So you're not only losing it this year, but you're losing the potential for that to compound for years to come. So it's it's uh, in, in various other assets. So you're, it's called opportunity cost. Absolutely. 
what I think people miss is the compound interest that is accumulating taxes. And this is what I mean. I don't have this chart in front of me, so I'll just give you rough numbers. But there's a chart of a penny doubling every day. Mm -hmm. And I think it's worth a million dollars by day 30. Not bad. It's amazing. It's the power of compounding and just continuing to grow. Yet, when you factor taxes in there, I think it's cut almost in half. Okay, I can get these exact numbers. I have this illustration. The point is, it's, it's the power of that compound tax that you're paying year after year after year. It becomes a very big number. So, you know, yes, taxes are our biggest expense historically, and it's a, it's a drastic effect over someone's lifetime. So critically important to use the code that they make. You know, there's a, the difference between tax avoidance and tax evasion, I think is 30 years, they say, <laughs> right? So we don't, we're not talking evasion, we're talking avoidance, and we're just going with the rules that are in place. So critically important. Any, what other, any other thoughts to add on that, well, John? Well, you know, Scott, I, we, we, uh, I meet with a lot of clients and they come in, and like you said, their biggest asset would be the IRA or the 401k. Um, and then I sit there and I tell them, I was like, your 401k is $2 million, but that's not your $2 million. You only have $1.4 million. 600,000 of that is Uncle Sam. When they see that and I show them that, they're like, I never really realized that. And that's amazing. They do, but they don't. So they put all this money into this deferred plan. I'm not saying that's wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the balance of it. But the thing of it is they are creating a tax time bomb is what they're doing down the road. And so that's why we try to educate clients. It's very important, you know, have control of your money, not let the government tell you and dictate what you're going to do with your money. That's so important. Yeah, no, that's a great point and, and experience the same thing. You see the account balance and they, you just, naturally it's your money and they, oh, that's right. I'm in partnership with the government. That's not actually all my money. So it is what it is, just something to be aware of and then diversify so that again, the person with options wins. So I'll have, we'll have, we'll put links in here. One, we'll put a link for the tax funnels that we use. It's part of the way to wealth uh, process so that you have access to it as you're listening. I also put a link to the numbers I was talking about as far as the doubling of the penny in 30 days and what the effect taxes have, because it's a powerful number. Uh, We'll share that in the link as well. John, thanks for uh, joining and sharing and contributing with your knowledge in the tax space. And look, the way to wealth, it's all about making money simple. It's giving you the freedom to really focus on what's most important in your life now, N-O-W, which it's not all about the future. Let's live the day as well. So thanks for joining and we'll see you soon. For a comprehensive review of your personal situation, always consult with a tax or legal advisor. Neither Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor any of its representatives may give legal or tax advice. The opinions voiced in Way to Wealth with Scott Ford, Managing Director, Partner, and Wealth Advisor of Carson Wealth, are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal.
No strategy assures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Way to Wealth are not affiliated with CWM LLC or Satara Advisor Networks LLC. Carson Wealth, 19833, Leitersburg Pike, Suite 1, Hagerstown, Maryland, 21742.